Welcome to Film for Thought, a film podcast by film students for film students. I'm your host, Michael Ardizabal, and um, today is a very special episode because um, I have uh, Houston Sins here with me. Hey, guys. Um, uh, Houston uh, is normally a DP, and he studies film at Loyola University, currently a sophomore. And um, yeah, Houston and me uh, directed, we uh, made a movie last semester. Um, called Roads Diverge. We're currently in post-production, and yeah, we're really excited to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Houston, I know you've done, like, work in the past and stuff. Do you sort of want to, like, talk about sort of the work you've done in, you know, the past couple of months? Um, yeah, yeah. Past couple of months I've done, um, so over quarantine, I shot a film called Acad- Academic Anxiety, and um kind of just made it for fun because like you know during quarantine you know not really hanging with people yeah. so i was like i need to write something and i was just really like itching to make a project so i wrote it it was a lot of drafts and it turned out good ish <laughs> i uh houston sent it to me um like a, a little bit before he was in his final draft and um, we went through and the editing process, and uh, I kind of want to get into that in the podcast. And we've been talking for a while to start talking about this stuff in the podcast since we started shooting Roads Diverge. Actually, um, yeah, like it's um, it's um, it's been a kind of a wild ride being in the film in or around the film industry during COVID, and um, you know, sort of having to adjust as like young newly minted filmmakers into the industry while every you know this whole chaos is going on it's been very interesting to say the least but um yeah like your how was your like experience with like shooting specifically uh you know your your movie and how was like your process of getting the actors and everything and like getting locations locked um okay so pretty much when i started writing it was just like what do I have access to? And one thing I had access to was my own house, my grandparents' house, and my friend Matthew's house, who was my DP. So all the scenes I wrote was, you know, around that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of just how it went, like writing-wise. Like I only, you know, wrote with what I knew or what I knew I had. And how did like the premise of like academic anxiety? I mean, do you want like let's uh, do you want to like give like a short synopsis so you know yeah at home can sort of yeah so it's ethic. it's like a it's a it's a film about two idiots who pretty much steal exam answer keys from professors and sell them to college students who have more money to spend than time to study. So there, you know, it's a good business thing, but um, they get caught stealing an answer key and it you know, they have to do something they don't want. So that's yeah, pretty much definitely. the plot. Yeah. I, I really like the premise. I I mean, growing up in a high school where, you know, people, you know, had more money to spend than time to study. It's, um, I don't know. I really liked it. I, you know, in the drafts and um, something really important that um, I also wanted to talk about was, um, you know, what you did when you, you know, you sent me the draft and something I feel like really important that most young filmmakers disregard, which is like, the ability to send cuts to people and to get notes, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like people normally disregard because everybody wants to be like a director, screenwriter, you know, do be like, you know, multifaceted thing within themselves. But they also forget the point of, um, you know, critique, the difference from like crit- criticism 
or vitriolic criticism and like actual critique where you break down the movie into what's essential you know and especially when it comes to editing and it comes to screenwriting and it comes to you know what like the development of the idea and how that ends up distributing and you know what people end up actually taking from it um sorry that was long could you like like um why did you like reach out why do you feel like it's sort of important to um get criticism and critique on your work um okay so i wish i really had gotten critique while i was writing because i was i was the only one like critiquing my work and my brother who kind of just skimmed it you know he's not a film major or anything um but i made 10 drafts of it and uh those were just all my own notes and i really wish i had had like you read it or just many other people read it because you know i I thought it was great at the time and then i you know cut the film and i'm just like oh my god like (laughs) what is this and then i had to do all the all the you know story work while editing i had to cut you know a few scenes just to kind of you know make it more consistent and you know it criticism is really important i wish i had gotten more while while writing yeah i feel like that's sort of a topic that I don't I feel like it doesn't get covered enough for new filmmakers or like people who are studying it. It's like the aspect of like you make something and it's like you have to make it uh you have to pe- people have to see it and break it in order to make it better, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, you know, right now Houston and me are taking a class on digital editing where we are actually editing, you know, the movie we shot, which is uh Roads Diverged. And um when it came to the this like the development of the project i made sure that as many i could get as many eyes and as possible on the script so you know it can be as good as possible Mm -hmm. but i i also feel that it you know if more people saw it and more people especially like in the industry and or who know of how to execute like something from like script to screen would in fact make it better and i feel like that is it, you know, like a value that isn't taught enough or mm-hmm. like should be heavily reinforced and like kept very ingrained in people or that, you know, make films and stuff? Yeah, it, it feels like, uh, you know, today, you know, we live in this like industry where there's so many, you know, our tour filmmakers like Nolan and, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. And yeah, they get notes, but we assume that they just, you know, write it like that. Like, it's just perfect from the start. But they're getting, like, feedback from so many people they trust. And just, you know, that that's what makes the films good is all this feedback. Yeah, and we definitely. really We really need more, more of it. And I think we kind of forget. I mean, we don't forget, but we do. How really, like, collaborative filmmaking is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so important. Yeah, because, like, I mean, everybody is, like, when you get into film, they're, like, oh, it's our tour. Yeah. And it's, like, it's yeah. all about the art tour. And yeah. those who don't know what a tour is is basically, like, a person that instills their vision into everything and every aspect of a film. But I feel like people also seem to forget the aspect of, you know, collaboration. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the mediums. I think George Orwell was the people, somebody that said... Um, you need an army to direct the film. Like yeah. you need an army, and yeah. and that's not not to say that you can't make something good by yourself, but it's to say that you need people to watch and to resonate. Like you can make something good by yourself, but it can be so much more and so much better if you 
you know collaborate and you like share and then you you critique and you go back and you like unravel it to realize what are the essence of what I want to express on screen and um I saw actually recently a um what's it called uh, like a TEDx talk or something about uh with uh Taiko Atiti. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And um he said and he was talking about screenwriting and like the aspect of story and he said like normally what I do, which most people don't do, is um I grab a script, I sit down, I write the whole thing. <laughs> I write ninety to hundred and eighty pages and uh I throw it away and then I leave it stored somewhere for two to three years. And then I revisit it, read it back, and then I burn it, and then I write everything back from memory. Because that way, you're able to sort of be like, you'll read it back, and you'll be like, hmm, this, this part is kind of stupid. I don't know why you wrote this. And then you go back, and you're like, this is the essential parts that I remember from the story. And then, and then after that, you send it off to people who have otherworldly perspectives and how their other, you know sort of ways of uh, perceiving things that you do and at the end of the day you know the people watching the movie aren't you you know yeah no that that sounds like a ridiculous method i can't lie that that is insane i could never do that um i mean it you know worked for him it does it does work for him i mean his films are great yeah his films are great but um but like it's the aspect of it's really about sort of reanalyzing and revisiting you know it's like and that term of like the best writing is rewriting i mean it is that in essence but yeah. it's also like the reason why the best rewriting it, you know, the best form of writing is rewriting i feel like is because like you revisit it with more perspective than you had before on the story and yourself as a mm-hmm. person yeah and because of that you grow and you expand and you get to perceive things that you didn't before because like you know something happens you are intrinsically different than you were before a thing whatever it may be happened Mm -hmm. so you grow and you evolve as a person and then then you go back and revisit a story that you wrote and then you're like i have a different perspective and it's like it's locking down the essence of that story within the view of a new perspective you know it's the fact that he waits two to three years to (laughs) like that's oh my god i can never uh when i write like i i'm dying to tell this story like i can't just wait like two to three years that's yeah i mean it's... but you know whatever works for him <laughs> what yeah i mean it, it's been working it's been working yeah it has you know <laughs> he's but um he's been killing it um in regards to i i feel like you're one of the people that i've met the most that has a very quick turnaround period what you you, by that? you you have like you have an idea and then you're like execute and then you you go from development to distribution like like that yeah like yeah I, you know, like the conversation I had with you, I think like before we left, I asked you like, oh, what are you going to do for break? And then you were like, oh, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And then you came back and I asked you like, how's your break? And you're like, oh, I shot a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted to shoot a film that I wrote, um, but you know, it was was a short break. I didn't have as many resources as I did over the summer. Um, So luckily my friend Eris, who incredible actor by the way i've known him since i was like three he uh he texted me and he was like hey i have this like short film idea and uh the paper airplane one yeah. and uh we just we just did it and god it was awesome it was really fun even though there was so much that went wrong with it especially i got covid while while shooting the film it's um well at least you have that perspective yeah yeah you know 
Yeah. I was like mid shoot. You you can resonate with everybody who's shooting that new Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh Eris, who was the director and the actor and writer for it, he flew his girlfriend out from New York City yeah, to me. shoot. And then I was like, ah, oh, I have COVID. I found out the day we were shooting because I woke up with no taste and smell. So that that was really <laughs> a bummer. But um, you know, you watch it, you said that, you know, maybe maybe that scene would have taken away from the film. Yeah, I mean, I right before shooting this episode, like Houston showed me the short film we shot, and it was like about four to five minutes, like a good yeah, you know, yeah. good good amount of time. And it's very hard also to make a concise story in a short framework. Especially with no words. Yeah. yeah. Like um I did an internship like what was it like three or four years ago for the mm. Miami short film festival. Oh, nice. And, um, a lot of the time that I was there, I had to go in and watch a lot of the submissions and, um, watch the, the missions, the submissions. Oh, submissions. Okay. And, um, one of the categories for, you know, the awards is, um, it's called short, short film. And it's, um, what is it? It's like a movie, it's like a short film, but it has to be the most, like, five minutes. You have, like, it's, like, the least is, like, 30 seconds, and mm-hmm. it's, like, the most is, like, it's um, five minutes. And from my what I've seen from, because I saw some of the previous year's winners from that specific category, um, the normally the ones that won were the ones that had the least amount of time because they were able to tell a story more effectively with less time. Yeah, yeah. There was a, uh, I did a one minute film festival a few years ago and uh, I got second place, which is pretty cool. And, you know, telling a story in a minute is really hard. Like my, I had, I was like scramming to come up with, with an idea for it, but I just came up with the idea and it was this man drinks a bottle of juice and turns to a giant and it was a cute little film. And <laughs> But um, it's, you know, it's, it's not really a story, but I mean, I, I mean, it depends what you constitute a story. I'd say... It's definitely better than some of my longer films. I will say that. Like, yeah. it's it's the aspect of, like, you know, you're condensing... I mean, the reason why it's so popular to have a story that's so short is because you're condensing something that could be condensed, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's an aspect of if you strip away all the unnecessary filler, it makes the essence of a story correct, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, not to say that making, you know, the shorter you make it, the better it is. It's to say that it's it makes you, you know, critique everything about your idea yeah. until you get to the absolute core of the idea. Totally. And then you're like, yeah. execute, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, going back into academic anxiety and everything, how... You know, how was, you know, the process? Like, when did you start shooting and when did you finish? Um, so we started shooting, uh, I think it was like late July. And we shot for four days straight. And, you know, in like the biz, you know, they're shooting like five days straight, you know, like all day. And we weren't, we only shot all day one day. And we were exhausted by the fourth day. And I was like, oh my God. I just said, guys, we're taking a week off. <laughs> we're taking one week off. And we did. We came back and we had three more shooting days and uh, then we wrapped and uh, yeah, I just, I really learned how like hard it is and I loved it and I love it being challenging, but my God, like people, people 
uh, tend to forget. Like, they watch a movie, and they sit there, and they're like, oh, like, that movie was good or bad. But um, after being on set for, you know, like, and what it takes to be on set, you really become appreciative, even if it's a bad film, because... Mm -hmm. It's not easy work, especially like academic anxiety is what, what is it like 25 minutes? The first cut we had was 33 minutes. 33. And then the final cut is like 25 minutes, 30 seconds, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, people tend to forget a lot of how much time goes into being on set and how exhausting it can be. Because uh, if, what if you're shooting like a feature length film, so about 90 to 180 minutes that means that you're going to be on set for about two to three months on average. Mm -hmm. And you're talking, a, you're talking about what five days a week, 12 out, 12 to 14 hour days. A lot of overtime too. A lot of That's overtime. where they get their money. Is and overtime. that's, yeah, that's where people in the industry get money. Yeah. It's, it's um, over schedule. But at the same time, it's 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 exhausting. It's mm -hmm. that's the aspect of it that you're talking about. It's uh, it's not easy work. Yeah. And it's um, and it's also very easy to lose perspective, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I uh, I was talking to a, a senior who's doing their senior thesis right now, and um, I I I kind of resonate with what she was saying. It was the aspect of um. You know, you sit in front of a computer and then you look at things you've shot like months prior and then you're like, what is this story? Like you can go back, read the script, but every time you see a shot and you and then you like look at back, you're like it it just sort of blobs in. And it's I, I'd say it's very difficult to make a concise story, you know, especially for independent filmmakers that are just doing a lot of things that multiple people are doing. And it, it makes me think about like, you know, big movies like uh, I was watching b behind the scenes for Harry Potter over the break for each film. They had like around like 270 shoot days. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? That is like, you know, from like 6 a.m. to like 9 p.m. I mean, you know, and you're talking about like, like that. it's when you when you're working, what, 14 14, 13 hours on average for five days a week, mm -hmm. that is your life. Yeah. You, for those 270 days, the only thing you got on your mind is set and making this movie. And it's like, it's such a tedious process that, and when you're in it, it feels so slow at the point where you forget why you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you probably got to that point where you were editing I think you mentioned this when uh when we're in break and and we're going back and forth talking about the the third cut of academic anxiety mm -hmm. that you were like I don't know what this film is anymore. It's like yeah. you get you get to that point of of like how do I build the story? It just, you know, you realize while editing and especially with your first cut just how messy your 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 story is and how it just wasn't what you visioned, but you just got to keep like, you know, keep going. You got to keep fighting and find the story in the cut. That's really what it is, I think. Because, you know, it's like uh, the footage is the paint and then the canvas is like editing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because you can, I, I mean, for uh, AA, academic anxiety, I'll just call it AA, it's easier. Um, you know, for the f like third, second or third cut, like, the opening scene we had was completely different it just started right when uh you know they were driving but no one who was watching it knew what the hell was going on 
so I was like, I need, I need an opening scene to explain everything. And it added a lot to the film. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I watched your first cut and like. The oh, di- the first cut? The very yeah, first one? The very first oh, one man. you sent me. And I watched it. And in comparison, that's why you always have to go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. and why people, people forget. I mean, that's why, that's why sometimes like film has to be that critical. It's because. If you if it isn't, then you you'll you will lose the essence of what it is. Like you need to be critical because editing can be a tedious process, especially for independent filmmakers that don't understand, you know, the editing process too. Because like I mean, especially like us taking like the class and like like tr- learning all the technical aspects. It's like if you don't know all those technical aspects, the ability for you to tell a story will be incredibly hindered Mm -hmm. because you don't know the techniques involved and the organization involved with it because there's an incredible amount of organization and workflow aspect to it in order to be like you know to make editing an art form yeah totally and um road diverged let's talk about that i've been wanting to (laughs) uh for well first of all i'm just really excited to start cutting um roads diverged and what do you have you watched have you gone back and watched the footage you know what i for i don't know if i mentioned this in the podcast before but um i i wrote and directed this short film called roads diverged which we're currently in post-production for and it was so fun to shoot it was just a little exhausting it was things um, went wrong yeah it's (laughs) it was um three days 12 hours each day on average and um it was back to back to back and uh, for people not used to being on set it was very grueling yeah um but i feel like uh, i i w- i went back during break like when you know like sometimes you just have to like clear your head before mm-hmm. you go back yeah if not you're you're just going to not really see it and i i i watched some clips and i i mean i i really just kind of forgot the story i mean like you you it's so easy to forget what you're doing and forget the 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 um the essence of what you're making and it's like it's i i came to appreciate how i mean filmmakers actually do what they do because like i i can't even imagine the amount of bad films i've seen Mm -hmm. that were in actuality great scripts you know yeah totally totally um trying to think of sorry keep going i don't i don't want to no 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 i'm I'm just trying to think of like movies with great scripts that just had a horror that were just horrible films i I was thinking of one the other day Ooh, i yeah no i watched prometheus Prometheus. is it's a bad film it's It's a bad very forgettable but it's like i mean i love ridley scott by the way talking about um you know scream writing in general and talking about like um for example like robert mckee who wrote story and it's like the bible for screenwriters it's um uh he sort of quotes uh and like gives you a quantitative amount of people who write scripts each year and it's like he and he says um the movies you see in the movie theater are the best scripts even if they're god-awful movies those are the best scripts that were written that year totally agree and it's like, and if there were good scripts and then they got twisted and converted into a bad movie, you know, because it, 
because though I consider screenwriting and story to be king, like when it comes to film, it is only a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I, and I really felt that when, you know, I was watching, you know, the raw footage of the project and I was like, this could easily be terrible. Yeah. It's so easy to like, you know, one misstep and the whole thing comes down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to really, you know, kick some ass editing this film. yeah <laughs> um it, it's it's uh it's really it's really made me appreciative of organization mm -hmm. especially like we had you know a sort of a hiccup with the audio per se yeah we were getting interference because we were close to a hospital or that oh oh are you talking about post-production not mm. while shooting no no no, no not, not while shooting but like um the with the like, folder or, structure yeah, yeah, the yeah. Folder oh that structure. was a nightmare nightmare and it's like when you start making a project and you like you're in physical production where you on set you do so many things and you're all over the place because like things need to get shot the movie has to get made yeah and most of the time it has to get made regardless of whether it's critically good or bad it it makes you appreciative of what is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Also, there were so many times on set where, like, you know, maybe, like, for example, when the monitor died and we didn't have backup batteries, or maybe we were just too lazy. We we're too long time to go <laughs> grab another battery. We had to shoot without a monitor, and that's just kind of one of those moments where we were just like, fuck it. But it gave us, um, like, you know, those, those shots were, like, overexposed and yeah it's um i feel like the biggest problem on set than we had was you know the shot list you know oh for sure like yeah yeah if we it, it's just it i mean i, I mean I, I i know i've repeated this a lot but it's like i just the appreciation for the craft and it's like it's people who go above and beyond in film are not given the props that they should mm -hmm. like it's so incredibly easy to mess up on set because it's a tense environment. You're working and everything can go wrong. The things that you can control go wrong, like the weather that happened to us. Yeah, when it rained. And it's like, yeah. luckily, I researched before that and, you know, we had alternative plans for it. But it still hindered our ability to make the project. Mm-hmm. But we, we did a pretty good job with, you know, solving that problem and shot the next morning and uh, turned out turned out well. Yeah. It's a good scene. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Getting more in depth in Roads Diverge and stuff. I, um, how's your process? How, like, how did, um, what did you think about the project, you know, in general and like, you know, like everything that went down and set and everything? It went very well, but um, one thing is that I shot list myself. So shot listing with you was a challenge, not because there was any creative differences, but because like you have a vision, I see something, but I'm going to go with what you want because you're the director. Um, that was really just hard. Um, and also, God, we shot listed in Celtics, man. What a pain. Yeah, oh Celtics. Um Celtics is um how would I put it not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah. <laughs> not not good. Yeah. It'll get you by, but um 
it's not preferable. What's 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 the one that m- like most people in the industry use? Movie Maker or something like that? I just do it by hand. You do it by hand. Yeah, I, I did it by hand, and I mean, like, I I did my I did like some like the production work, like um, what was it? Um, just putting in like all all the specific scenes that we were doing per like for everything, and. And like dividing it by day in Celtics, and that was just, it was painful. Mm-hmm. And then I, at one point, I was like, no, this, there's, there's got to be a quicker process. And I did it there in Celtics, and it took me three days, and it took me three or four hours to do it in Excel by myself. Use Excel. Yeah, I use Excel. Oh yeah, that's what we used for mm-hmm. like the checklist thing. Yeah. I was like, shell. I yeah. was like, me and um, the AD, Maya Lewis. Yeah, that's that's what we did. And it was so much better. It was so much, a lot more effective and stuff. Like, I feel like Celtics, I mean, if you, it Celtics is good for the breakdown of the script. Mm-hmm. Of like, just going there and then just making sure it was like, every department has what they need. Being like, I need this. And they can write it there. And yeah, it's like, like, all the props and stuff was really helpful. Yeah, that was really helpful. Like, being like, these are the props that we need. And Celtics was really helpful for that, but when it came down to actually doing production work or like pre-producing, it was just unbearable. Yeah, I I just I love doing it all by hand and then just like uh, photocopying it because um I don't know I just it's just it's just I don't know it just works better for me. Plus, I mean, if I but, have a mistake, I just you yeah. Know, cross I mean, it out. but what you said of like doing the shot list, um, but not having like written. Or like not like it's not your idea. Um, you I mean you did that before for the um, the 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 short film you just showed me. Yeah, yeah. Um, he Eris had never directed before. Um, he's just an actor. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I made the shot list for him, which I'm really glad if if he was there saying like, you know I want this shot and this shot I'd be kind of confused. But honestly, I'm gonna have to get used to that because you know I'm gonna have DPs. Yeah, I mean it's. It's something that people don't really, I mean, it's just like you have to sort of fall in line with other people's ideas and especially when you're working with other people and it's like their idea and it's like what you're doing. It's like, you know, like what I was telling you, like I was like sound mixing for somebody else Mm -hmm. and it's like obviously integrating like, I mean, in a technical aspect, like you, you know what to do. But it's, like, doing it in a fashion that they want. Like, oh, I want um, room tone in a certain fashion. Or I want something in a very certain specific way. You're, it, it gets kind of confusing. It does, yeah. But, um, I mean, it's something that you... I feel like it's just, like, a rinse and repeat type thing. That you just, after a certain amount of times, you learn how to do. And it's... um, Everybody gets used to... I wrote, directed, and was the head like the director of photography for um for my film like I, that's that's a thing mm-hmm. but um i feel i mean in the in the industry that's not how it works yeah like, you know you give a script in in your director and you give like directorial notes obviously but at the same time it's like the dp and the cinematographer have creative execution of what's on screen how it projects on screen but um especially with our limited um, like our time frame, yeah. we really had to bum rush a lot of things. We were really getting coverage is yeah. what we were doing. Um, we didn't 
really get dreamy with shots and we did in some but it was mostly just we got to make sure we get the shots yeah a lot of the time we started for those who don't know um we started pre-production about i'd say the first week of september last week of august and we had to had everything shot and delivered by second week of november i'd say right about the second week of november um yeah, we finished before Halloween because yeah. we we're gonna have we we're gonna have a um like a day we had like a day reserved for Halloween, but then we're like, no, it's Halloween. I know, I know, we shot or like at least for pre-production work, we had from the last week of August to uh, October twenty-third. That was the day, the first day of shoot, and um, normally you would get a lot more time for it. I think. Yeah. Did and we? Did we? Sorry to interrupt. Did we delay? the shoot by a week no no we, they, never, um, we never had delays besides the rainy the, day from one of the producers on the project which i love him shout out to cal cal yeah he did cal. amazing work um he thought it was a good idea to shoot the next weekend to prepare a little bit more mm-hmm. but I, I i got one of those six senses like one of those like things that were like i don't like no like mm-hmm. I just ha- like I put my foot down and I was like no like things are programmed by this time and if we have even one day indifference it would make it would just cause a problem and um surprisingly enough the next weekend after the one we shot uh, oh that that was a hurricane well hurricane came to yeah, New Orleans that's when the power went out and for the like power four went days. out for four days yeah. like three or four days oh that would have been such a disaster dude yeah oh my god and. It was one of those things where I just set my foot down and 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 it worked. I don't know. Like sometimes you really do have to trust your gut when it comes to like setting setting certain parameters and like trusting your gut feeling that most people don't really consider. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are like, I feel like some films don't thrive because they're so wishy washy. You know, like and when it comes to production, you know. Because I've I've seen I've seen some people like be on set and it's like it, yes it is a collaborative business and yes take take like the in like take the notes of everyone on set obviously like I'm not saying that but what I will say is that you at the end of the day the final decision lies you know in you sometimes and you have to decide in people are always going to agree or disagree with it but sometimes it doesn't work mm-hmm. you know yeah and it might not always work but trusting gut feeling is something i think is really crucial and, and i really learned is. that with the shoot of roads diverged mm-hmm. because if i would have been like sure let's move it like it would have been fine we would have had a lot worse of a movie yeah i mean when i when i was shooting aa there was one one day where we didn't shot lessons because I was sick. I didn't have COVID or anything, but I don't know. ate some bad Papa John's or something, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I got really sick. So I didn't shot list that day. Um, and I, I knew I had this gut feeling that it was going to be a disaster. And it went really well until we got to the garage scene. And then, oh, my God, it was a disaster. Like, just you know, you just got to trust your gut. Like, if you know it's going to be bad, like, do something about it. I did nothing. Yeah. And I, you know the worst scene the most important scene in the film turned out to be the worst and when it comes to i mean that gut feeling you know or like you 
I mean, yeah, like you, I mean, I've always been a stickler for organization and like keeping everything extremely meticulous. Like, I mean, the when it came to planning where we're going to get the actors from unlocking location and where we're getting props from and everything like I was like, everything has to fit in, you know, and be like perfect in -hmm. a sense, because if it isn't, then it will in a way cripple the film and that's not to say that a film after like even if you do all these things a film still has problems because when you're on set things that you could have never accounted for normally can be problems like um what was it day two that the lobbyers just weren't working yeah when because we were shooting next to the hospital i mean i don't know if this was the problem but we suspect you know, near the airport, near hospital, we were getting so much interference and it was a nightmare for Alvin because we were like, we just took so many, so much time in between takes like, oh, it's, it's fuzzy. Like I got to get closer. I got to get farther, you know, got to, you know, change the batteries in the lab, even though it didn't work. You know, there's just so many things. Yeah. Like and, and, and sometimes you really do have to roll with the punches. Like we had an external monitor for the project which for the most part really really helped helped a ton it helped it, a ton it was so like incredibly well because if we if we didn't have it there'd be many shots where we're just that much out of focus and it just ruins it yeah and it's like and and it's like you're you can be an inch away from having what you want but that inch is gonna make the difference mm-hmm. you know that yeah. inch is like it's a good movie or it's a bad movie yeah. or it's like it made the scene or destroyed it or it's like people could only focus on the that the reason that was unfocused instead of like the actual context of the film yeah and it's like um yeah like i that there was like a like three hours where we didn't have that external monitor i think it was just like uh i think it was just a couple of shots actually yeah i, no, I don't it think was, it was that bad it was towards the end we were just grinding uh, to finish it's like the last few shots and god they are overexposed yeah i felt really bad because i made um i made cal our producer go get i left one of the camera one of the the external monitors charging because we just got the set super super early and we ended the day super late and you have to after you get out of you know out of set you have to the director has to prep you know mm-hmm. and i was like prepping everything making sure everything was all right and i didn't get enough time like it was like two in the morning or like two or three and i had to like and they plugged in the thing and it wasn't ready yet and i i just knew like i just had to leave it and i i felt so bad that i made the, like the producer go get it. yeah yeah but um you know sometimes you just have to you know sacrifice in some ways to be able to get the best product possible and I feel like if I learned something from this project being like the first professional professionally done with real life. That was definitely the most professional shoot I've done for sure. Yeah. It 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 was I mean, I learned so much. Like you I can't I can't even quantify so much. The, the things I learned in that project. Mm-hmm. And but, how how important having a team is. We had a kick ass team. Yeah. Incredible. If, Everyone did such a good job yeah everybody if if anybody that worked on this project is listening like definitely we love you thank yeah. you thank you and i'm so gonna much. use we're gonna use y'all again yeah for sure <laughs> definitely coming up with different projects yeah and it's um it it's there's a learning curve you know there's like especially being in film school it's so different and a lot of film schools don't prioritize being like on camera or on set 
and like doing things, you mm-hmm. know. And I mean, I'm so grateful that our department and where we are actually does those things and enforces you to be on set and to learn all these things and to learn the etiquette of that calms down of being on set and to mm-hmm. execute it yourself, which is phenomenal. And I feel like, you know, it's like, you know, learning the book is half the battle. And then learning that practical aspects of like, this is what a director does on set, not on paper, but on set. And this is how you have to act. And this is how the DP acts. And this is how the, the, the sound mixer acts. And this is how they come together is so important. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I'm, I'm just so like, that was just such a good experience. Like I just had such a good time shooting and God, I just, I learned so much. Like, yeah. I can't stress that enough. And, um, uh, the only the only thing I mean this is my first. This was like your first short, yeah. first real short. Too. I mean, I did. How, I how did. long have you been making films? I. I know this, but I don't. You've told me. Before. Yeah, I made yeah. one by completely by myself, um, except with you know the people that were actually on camera, and like I just told them exactly what to do and what to say. Um, f- senior like the summer before senior year. And then the one we shot together, um, the one, two, three, the one, two, three project, God, um, Sam's heart. Um, that one was tricky. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't the, it wasn't, we were, it wasn't, it wasn't my best work. No, I'd say. I like the concept mine. though. I like my one, concept. two, three was horrifying, embarrassing. Um, and I, I'm embarrassed for my actors because I didn't direct them well at all. Sammy came in last yeah. week. He came in five minutes props, before we started. Props to Sammy Beal for coming in. But Landon, he's he's so funny and such a good actor. And I didn't direct him well at all. We, there were so many things we did wrong with our one, two, three. Yeah, and it's like, I, I talked to the head of department of uh, Loyola and um, of film. And um, I and, and this was a conversation I had with him uh, my freshman year. It was like, I'm, I told him like, I don't know how to actually shoot a film. It's like, I can't, I don't know why you're making us do this for our final. Like, it's like, it's very hard and very complex. And um, it's like, I really don't feel like a semester is enough to get it right. And then he just said, you never have enough time. You never have enough time. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he said, it's like, I was like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. It doesn't matter if the story's immaculate or not. It matters that you go from de- development to distribution and know the process mm-hmm. of what it takes to do all these things and even if it's a surface level you have to go from point a to point b and we were kind of talking about this a little bit before the podcast but it's it's the process of making it and also learning to make the process from extremely technical and then putting the creative aspects into that and mm-hmm. to separating like the technical aspect is down and it isn't a problem. And then you only do and only focus on the creativity of the project. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, that Reddit post we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There was some guy on Reddit who was, uh, he posted on the director forum saying like, Oh, you know, I just don't feel confident in myself. Like my footage looks amateur. I just started. And I, I commented and I was like, you know, you're learning, you know, like, we all learn. I mean, God, our film, our one, two, threes were horrible. And look where we are now. Yeah. You know, not like we're making like Citizen Kane or anything <laughs> like. Yeah, but. But I, there's so much better. I mean. Yeah, it's like in the lapse of what was that? Seven, 
seven or ten months, we ended up improving at an exponential rate. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to like go from like, how the fuck do we light this scene? Yeah. To hey, like let's position the lights like this, and that will give this sort of connotation and emotion that will eventually like transpire the actor's appearance on scene and that is i feel like what separates something someone who's an amateur being like this shot looks pretty Mm -hmm. to i need my shot to look like this so i can do x you know yeah exactly exactly yeah it's like how i mean i've no you've definitely shot a lot more stuff than i have i'm i'm a lot more focused on just writing what what age did you start shooting i mean i I'd say 17. Okay. And it's, yeah, like I'd say seven. I like I did things when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't really count that as, you know, like an actual film or anything. Yeah, I mean, like, we're like on the same level and I've been shooting longer. So that really shows like you're learning fast. You know, we all are. We're learning a ton. Yeah. And it's, you know? I, I feel like it's definitely on the, on the aspect of the program that we're in. Mm-hmm. Like, Definitely shout out to Professor Racine. Yeah, here. big shout out to Loyola. Like yeah. we got we got a kick ass film school here. Yeah, I like Loyola's seriously. certainly underrated for film. And yeah. I feel like in a couple of years people are start are gonna start no- noticing. Because when I got here in freshman year and talking to people who were seniors at the time when I was a freshman, they're like, Oh, the program has evolved exponentially. Mm-hmm. And like that speaks a lot to what like and i I mean i was i was the teaching assistant for um intro digital film and i saw the 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 films Mm -hmm. like i saw all of them Mm -hmm. and they were impressive like the one two threes yeah they weren't bad they were impressive for for and it's being like, a new filmmaker yeah yeah like yeah exactly like yeah comparatively speaking from what was our generate like what was the class of 2023 for film at loyola mm-hmm. to what's class of 2024 from loyola you can see how the film program is just advancing yeah also this, this might not sound significant but it is when you know we were freshmen shooting our one two three we were shooting our sound separately yeah and you never do that when you start and we were slating and doing all that that's you know people and that makes that those small things like that just make all the difference yeah i mean you might think like oh you're in film school like no shit you'll be slating and you know shooting sound separately but like no i mean they don't they don't do this at many other schools yeah it's you know like I'm not going to mention the school, but, you know, somebody who transferred in from a different school to Leola's program was like, oh, no, we were just using, like, our own cameras. Uh, phones. Yeah. And, like, oh, uh... they we're using our own cameras and, like, we had zero, if all, none equipment. Or, like, shooting on like, Canon T3Is. Or... Exactly. And you weren't learning the technical aspects of what filmmaking is mm-hmm. and it's like if if you don't learn that and you don't understand the fun like how the intricacies of how it works then how are you expected to make a good story yeah exactly and it's like they're also just teaching like you just oh you just dump your footage into final cut but it's like no we're like 
now we're like making dailies and yeah, like, resolve like, and putting them in Avid and it's like, bro, no, other schools aren't doing this. We're kind of like just worshiping Loyola right now. Yeah, okay. we we really are. We just yeah. went on a tangent. We this is a commercial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if any if any film student is looking for apply to anyone. <laughs> no, but seriously, like. And we made up. We like the thing is, okay, yeah, we are praising Loyola a lot, but at the same time, they're all valid points and they're all very yeah. reasonable. We're not just saying this because we go here. Like, yeah, this like, is true. Like Loyola has a lot of faults. Many, but the Many. even the film school. Like, I'm not gonna say it's immaculate, but the thing is, you want a program that evolves. It's vigorous its and, and so hands on and so professional. Like, like with the you know with uh how everyone's remotely editing you know the people who are taking online classes yeah it's they're using software that they're using to cut you know um like suicide squad everyone's working from yeah, home to cut that and they're in, using the same it's software. incredible yeah it's it's like like i don't know when i mean you were also applying to film schools at one time mm -hmm. and it's like you know chapman is one of the great film schools yeah and i was like there's a kid from chapman applying to loyola right mm -hmm. now yeah and yeah. it's like i heard that and i was like i was like what and then and then the teacher I, I can't say told me this information was like they're applying because they aren't getting taught anything it's just zoom classes some people and don't like, even touch a camera till their second or third second year really yeah like second or th even third year yeah and yeah. it's like it's like you're paying like thousands of dollars mm -hmm. to be taught this thing and you aren't getting what like halfway through you haven't touch the camera like mm -hmm. what even is that yeah yeah we're i'm just like blown away like i toured i toured some film schools and uh just wow you know like <laughs> i i went toward one school it's you know small little lovely school kind of lovely i didn't really like it but anyway <laughs> um i devolved quickly yeah <laughs> pretty much i i go and meet all the film students and um I don't, I don't see any like nice cameras around or anything. And not that it's about equipment. It's not, it's not at all. It's about what the equipment does. Yeah. And what you, that can show you what to do. It's more about what you can do with it. And that, you know, we've learned that here too. We're not making good films because we have good equipment. It's because we've been, you know, taught how to use it right. Yeah. You know? It's like, I feel like now I can grab the camera that I've had forever. The one that I'm shooting this podcast in, which I love it, but it isn't a good camera and I learn, I can, I know how to use it effectively now at the point where I can make a quality film with it and be able to present it to, you know, film festivals and be actually proud of the thing I made, you know, and not like, not being like, wow, I have this great story. And then it's like, everything looks blurry and out of focus. You know, there's grain everywhere. You know, there's the colors are not meshing correctly the the bits are too like distorted the audio quality is god awful and then you're like well then the story is not going through to the person viewing the experience all they can see is like wow this movie looks like shit yeah yeah totally and it's like and it's a it bad sounds, thing it sounds bad too it sounds bad too and it's like, like we took a class just for audio yeah like that's i don't know if that's like rare but I, I, I don't but, I don't know if it when is when you're honestly. using like Pro Tools and is I don't know maybe it's nothing right but anyway sorry continue but, but the, like the thing I'm trying to get across is how uh, you know how you're able to I mean it's all about skills you come to college or you get an education to get skills mm -hmm. and it's like 
yeah, you the practical aspect is good and it's effective. But if you're not able to execute, you know, the theory, then what did you pay thousands of dollars for? You know, I, I have a really good question that is asked a lot and I ask myself it too. Do you think film school is truly worth it? And I'd, I'd go ahead and say yes, because, okay, I've, I've been knowing how to make films my whole life. Like, you know, I, I could make a film, but I don't know. There's just, you know, there's so many filmmakers who haven't gone to film school um, that are fine, like Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, Spielberg, I think. Like, do you think film school is truly worth it or do you think... It's just to enhance your skills, not to give you skills. Did I, did I? Yeah, no, no, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. But in, in the way that, you know, film school or school or university for that matter is for skills and to either enhance, teach you new skills or to learn new skills, then yes. Then it's like, yes. But like the thing is, the degree film degree if you go up to any you can study harvard university and get a bfa in film yeah i don't care about the degree really but but this is the thing if you don't acquire those skills and you acquire a degree then you're doing nothing Mm -hmm. you are you can go to paramount you can go to universal it doesn't matter that you want to study at harvard they're gonna laugh and spit at you like it it really doesn't matter but if you have the skills and you're able to quantify those skills and able to use them effectively then you're gonna show your resume and be like I went to this school and they're going to be like, wow, a lot of people that came out of the school actually have skills and they're skillful at what they do and what they want to do. And they're able to exact that. Mm -hmm. Then yes, absolutely. You know, like, yeah. But the thing is like, if you take Spielberg into, into, into perspective, he never went to film school. If Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm, if I'm, I could be wrong, but he he, he didn't, I'm pretty sure. I think he, what, what I do know is that he took the time as most like all directors that are known nowadays in household names, they took the time to hone in their skills and learn. I know I was talking about that like this previously. I was like to realize what is the quickest way from point A to point B to exact a story and to be able to make a script, a movie and learning how, you know, the quickest A to point A to point B is a straight line to be able to get that straight line, you know, and the way they're able to exact this is through studying and research. And a lot of people don't go out of their way, even if they really want to do it, to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I want to do this thing and I sort of do it. But they're like not honing in. College gives you the discipline and the metric really to be able to do it. And it offers you the experience, you know. I personally want to go to grad school to be able to hone in on that in a screenwriting sense and like, specialize in that because that's what i want to do and it's like i get it grad school's expensive and there's a lot of things that come with it but at the same time it's like do you want to improve the skill and be able to be exposed to people that understand it at a fundamental level yes the answer is always going to be yes i'd say um okay what was i going to say so film school i would say is not like you don't have to go to film school. Like if you want to make no, films, you don't have to go to film school. That's you don't that, have to you go. You don't have to go. But if you go to a good one, you will be shocked at how much you didn't know. I mean, like, um, 
I'd say, I mean, I've been doing, I've been doing films since I was like eight, kind of my whole life. Really, I've just been playing around with cameras. I'd say I'm like low key, not like a, not a veteran. It's not like I'm making amazing fucking movies or anything, but I just know my, I know my stuff with film, but when I came here, there was just so much where I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's worth it, but you don't need it. Yeah. And don't don't think you need film school to be great. That's true. But it'll it'll help. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, Houston, it was really nice having you on the podcast, man. I fun. hope to have you again. Yeah, I want to come back. This has um, been fun. Do you want to plug anything? We have uh twenty minutes twenty seconds on the clock. <laughs> um twenty seconds. I guess maybe maybe I could post links to my films. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna, I can't I can't for one yet because it, it's against festival rules. I'm gonna post every link in the description. There's three seconds left on the clock. All right, I'll see you, bye guys. Bye later. everyone. Bye. <laughs>